Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Stephen Krejcik of the Lotto Jumbo team as well and Adam Yates of Orica Green Edge and Anthony Turgis who had a little bit of a tumble as he headed in towards Scarborough but stayed on his bike. Great Britain have won their first medal. It was Adam Peaty in a world record time breaking his own world record. She punches the air and she crosses that blue finish line. The world champion of 12 months ago who finished second here last time around has won it. The Athletes Village is not a place for fighting. I've never heard that ever in Olympic and Paralympic history. This is Anything But Footy, the Olympic and Paralympic podcast covering the Games all the time rather than once every four years. I'm John. And I'm Michael. Coming up in this episode, we catch up with Britain's best ever long-distance track runner as he retires from competitive racing, age 40. I achieved so much on the track in the marathon, half marathon. There's nothing more to prove. Momentous indeed. What a spectacle at the Great North Run. And we'll ask, is he Britain's greatest Olympian too? And talking of greatest, not a fan of uh, mascots or the phrase goat. Uh, <laughs> Novak Djokovic wins his record equaling 24th Grand Slam at the US Open. We'll be discussing goats. <laughs> the Brits are back and ones to beat at the Paris Olympics and Paralympics next summer. We'll round up the World Rowing Championships and the European Para Table Tennis too. And you can always stay in touch with us and see what we're up to anytime. Uh, you can find us on X at anything but F. We're also there on Instagram and we're also on Facebook as well. And go to our website anythingbutfooty.com and you can always send us a message there. Now, he is Britain's greatest ever track runner. One of the best on the road, particularly the half marathon and 10K as well. And after 12 years of dominating the world stage from Daegu in 2011 through to Super Saturday in 2012 and the double-double in Rio 2016 and much, much more, Mo Farah, Sir Mo Farah, has finally run his final race. The Great North Run and Michael was in a rather soggy South Shields at the end to see him finish. What does retirement feel like, Mo? It's only been a couple of minutes. <laughs> um, but honestly, uh, this is it. 
Uh, this is my final race. I'm retired, officially retired. I'm, as I'm talking to you right now, I'm a retired man. And how did it feel today? How emotional was it? It was very emotional. Um, I knew last couple of days I was trying to sink it all in and, and take it all in. Uh, but last couple of days, it's been quite emotional. I slept on it last night, didn't get much sleep. Just thinking about it, it reminded me a bit like 2012. Um, but uh, it's just, you know, the, the people, the support and how everybody's been so amazing over the last couple of days. Uh, yourself, Brendan Foster, uh, his whole team, uh, the community. Um, it's just been, it's been a joy. Uh, and honestly, I, I, I will miss this great North Run. And right time and right place for you to finish? Yeah, I, th I think this is the right time. As I said, last couple of years, I've, I find it really hard. My body not being able to do what I did for years and years and to be the best, it, it takes certain um, certain part, uh, certain training. Uh, you've got to be able to, you know, uh, commit and, and do 100 plus miles week a week out. And last couple of years, I've struggled with that. And it's really important for me, you know, to be honest. And if I'm not capable of, you know, w winning medals for my country and be very competitive, then you've got to retire. And uh, as I said, I achieved so much on the track, uh, in the marathon, half marathon. There's nothing more to prove. So I've just got to enjoy it, let go and be the parents that, you know, my kids wants me to be. So it wasn't the fairy tale finish for Mo Farah that some people were hoping and expecting, perhaps. I think they felt he might cross the line as the winner, <laughs> a seventh title at the Great North Run. But I actually do think it was the fairy tale finish for him because I think had he been in contention, he wouldn't have had the moments over the last mile or two where he could just take it all in and enjoy it because his competitive instinct would have kicked in. But the, the front three, Tola, Abdi and Edris, they were away and it just meant that he could just enjoy that final mile. If you don't know the Great North Run, obviously people will recognise the Time Bridge and then you kind of come out of Newcastle into Gateshead, past the International Stadium and then you run into South Shields. And what happens is you come through the town centre in South Shields and then you come down quite a steep hill and then you turn left and then you run along the seafront. And what happens is a lot of people think they're at the finish because they've seen it on the TV that it finishes right. on the seafront and they kick on and sprint off. You're actually still over a mile um, to the finish. But for Mo, that was just a mile that was kind of a, a lap of honour, if you like, because there were huge crowds there. Everyone had had the, the banners that everyone was given as well. You know, the, the reaction to Mo Farah. And he also had the stage to himself. You know, so he knew that all those cheers, all that reaction was for him finishing fourth. You know, he's 40 years of age. He ran a, a 4.51 a minute mile pace. So that's that's not too shabby, is it? And then after sort of crossing the finish line, what I thought was really good was he, he stayed in the finish line area, firstly to congratulate the three uh, that had come in front of him. And then he also stayed there to congratulate some of the runners that had come behind him. And then quite shortly afterwards, you got some of the very good club runners coming through and he was given some medals to hand out as well. So a special moment, I think, for lots of people yesterday. Great to have completed the Great North Run in a really good time and then to have received your medal from Mo Farah as well. Right time and right place, I think, as I said there in the interview with Mo, for him to bring the curtain down on his competitive career. And you, you had a, a good conversation with him and also talked to him about whether this was definitely it he said this is this is it i'm definitely retiring but he is going to carry on running 
Yeah, and I think it's very difficult, I think, for especially someone like, like him. And we, we know his background. We know how long he's been running. We know how, how good a runner he's been for a long time because you go back through the record books and, you know, you see things like the mini marathon in there and you look at sort of schoolboy cross-country championships. So running has been so important for Mo Farah. Hussein Abdikahin trafficked from Somalia. And as he said there, you know, it was ru running that, that gave him the life that he's been able to forge for himself in this country. Super Saturday was probably the night, and we'll hear a bit more about that shortly, I think, probably the night where he felt he really did arrive. And I don't think you can just turn that off and mm. stop doing that. I mean, if you, if you follow any of the former athletes on social media, you know that even though a lot of them have moved into the commentary box or into the TV studio now, they're still out there pounding the streets. They're still out doing their stuff. I've just been seeing Jessica Ennis on, on social media this morning, and she's just posted some pictures in her gym at home. She said, school run done, quick workout. I don't think you can just stop doing it. But what Mo said is I think he's going to run for fun now. He wants to become the, the dad that he said his children deserve. He wants to run with his children. And it wouldn't surprise me, to be honest, to see him back on the Great North Run course, back on the London Marathon course, back doing some races, when I think the time, the moment allows, whether that is a charity challenge or whether he's running maybe to raise awareness of a cause or maybe a commercial deal. To, to, to run you know I, you know it wouldn't surprise me to see Mo Farah running for an organization or something in the future I think we will see him but I don't think we'll see him as as he said there running competitively again yeah I remember Paula Radcliffe running in the London Marathon after she'd retired uh, yeah. for an for a charity as you say um and you can imagine that that Mo would will do that again um let's hear the second part of your interview just just briefly he, he kind of talks about and we'll hear it in a moment but he briefly talks about how he feels incredibly British. Yeah, and as I said, obviously, Hussein Abdi Kahin was Mo Farah's birth name, and we all saw that documentary, um, and it was a very emotional day for him yesterday. He certainly had some tears in his eyes as he was coming up the final stages of the Great North Run, and I'm sure that you know his background and his own personal history was probably very much at the forefront of what he's achieved. I will always run. Uh, it's in my DNA. Um, it's something that makes me happy. And uh, as, as you know, running is what saved me from the child I was. Uh, as you all know, my background, uh, I did the documentary recently about how I was tra uh, trafficked into the UK and uh, running was what saved me and, and, and gave me happiness so i will continue to run uh, maybe juggle my kids my loved ones but in terms of as an elite athlete yeah i am retired on that mo was super saturday the highlight because that was then the evening the night when you felt i really belong somewhere bearing in mind that background that you mentioned yeah uh super saturday was incredible um to see the whole nation come together uh, to be able to win in front of your home crowd to have the whole nation behind you and, and to do it in 45 minute window with myself Jess and Greg that's what you know um, when I look back at memories that's when I look back and go wow how do we do that and, uh, and honestly as I said that super Saturday will always be with us in terms of athletics and in, in sports itself we look at history of sports and and, and at the moment we look back and go what was I doing at that point I was watching here and as so many people said to us 
yeah, that that was the that was the night, and even myself, if I look back. So there we go, Mo Farah talking about Super Saturday, feeling part of Great Britain, and 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 he's right. I mean, we all look back on 2012 and remember how it brought the whole whole country together. So it got me thinking, Michael. And I know I think when we when we were together and we saw Mo run his final marathon. We talked about whether he was the greatest marathon runner and we kind of agreed that Paul Radcliffe was probably better uh, in terms of a British level. But what about Mo Farah as our greatest Olympian? And I mean that across all sports. So we know he's the the best track distance runner uh, from a British point of view. But what about as a greatest Olympian? Um, let me throw a few names at you. Yeah, go on. So Jason Kenny tops the pole in terms of medals with six golds, two silver. Chris Hoy, six golds, one silver. Bradley Wiggins, five golds, one silver, two bronze. So they obviously are, are, are the top three. And, and with Mo's four gold medals, the double-double, London 2012 and Rio 2016, he's obviously slightly behind those. I would argue that they are minority sports. I think cycling is a huge sport in this country, but across the world, it's still quite a minority sport. So, and and you get the opportunity to win a lot of medals in a in a short space of time. A bit like swimming, although I would say that swimming is a broader sport, a bit more like athletics. There are more nations that take part, and I think it's harder to win a medal. So, I think trying to win a medal in athletics is a lot harder than trying to win a medal in cycling. Although I couldn't do either, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not saying that they are not successful, but I'm, I'm trying to, to, to make the argument. And then Steve Redgrave, five gold, one bronze. Did you know he won a Cox pairs in Seoul? Totally, yeah. for, totally forgot about that. Absolutely forgot about that. He won two medals in Seoul. Uh, ben Ainsley, four golds, one silver. Laura Kenny, four golds, one silver. And then Mo Farah, along with Sir Matthew Pinson, four gold each. What do you think? Well, I think because of the argument that you've set out very well there in terms of the fact that athletics is is probably the only true global sport. Anyone can go running. And I don't know if I've ever mentioned, but I went to the Commonwealth Games in 2018 at the Gold Coast. I'm not sure <laughs> Did I've you? Ever, I've ever wow, mentioned that. And that's I, incredible. And, and, and wait for the clunking name drop here. Uh, but I had a conversation on the flight over um, with Daley Thompson and Catherine Merry. There you go. This. Clunk. And, and, and Daley Thompson might be a, a shout for one of, you know, Great Britain's best ever Olympians, if not the greatest. He certainly uh, feels he was the greatest. He thought he should have lit the torch <laughs> at the London 2012 <laughs> Olympics and, and couldn't believe that his mate Seb Sebco didn't give him the opportunity. But anyway, um, I digress slightly. He made the point to me, he said, you know, when you go to an Olympics or a world championships, you've got 200 nations there. Yeah. And, and they've all got an athlete. You haven't got that, like you said, with rowing. You haven't got that with cycling. Swimming, you're right, is probably the next sport on that list, if you like. So the fact that Mo Farah, against all those those 200, um, 200 other nations, achieved what he did at two Olympic Games puts him right up there. I still, though, think the achievement of what Steve Redgrave did to peak five times because remember yeah he doesn't have the opportunities didn't really have the opportunity certainly later on in his career to, to double up or triple up in different events like laura kenny has or jason kenny has or, or chris hoy has i think to come back time after time from los angeles in 1984 through to sydney in 2000 in 
a brutal sport and also you know with some personal health issues uh, alongside um that with his diabetes of course that for me still stands out as something which is you know fantastic mm. something that i i'm not sure will will ever be be matched to go and do that five times to get that gold medal to peak for that five six seven minutes whatever it is over 2000 meters on one day and you just get that one day to do it yeah i still think that is a, a terrific achievement and and steve redgrave should be should be there or thereabouts a couple of other names you mentioned daley thompson double yeah. olympic champion kelly holmes kelly holmes twice in a games you know to yeah. to to win the the 8 and 1500 in athens i mean that is that is it that's hard that's yeah. really hard isn't it absolutely and also again just her story her backstory she'd she'd been to atlanta i think she she won a medal in atlanta and she'd had wretched times with, with injuries that's as right. well i don't think she certainly probably wasn't fancied to to win certainly not two gold medals no uh in athens in in 2004 so yeah i certainly think um kelly Holmes should be up for contention as well and if i could widen the argument slightly go on um beyond just you know achievement on the track in the pool uh you know at the rowing lake wherever it is greatest ever olympians i think if you you through in names like Beth Twedlaw or Lewis Smith, because although they didn't win the, the medals that perhaps some of the other names we've mentioned, what they did for their sport in the wider context, yeah. the fact that they are you know pretty much responsible, I would say, for the program that we have now. You look at the gymnastics program and all the medals won and you know the high hopes for Paris from our gymnastics team. And that all sort of threads back to, to Beth Twedler and, and Lewis Smith. And to throw another name in there, Tom yep. Daly again you yeah. know you 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 look at the success that we're expecting to see in the diving pool in less than a year in Paris at the Olympic Games and all the funding the whole program is built around the fact that a teenage boy went to Beijing in 2008 and you know 2012 a, a bronze medal 2016 a bronze medal 2021 a gold medal I think in terms of that actual performances you can't make an argument for Tom Daly over Steve Redgrave or Mo Farah, but in terms of that that wider contribution to sport in this country, he's he's well up there. Chris Boardman, I'd throw into that as well because of how they changed cycling in 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 this country in in Barcelona '92. Um, Seb Coe, double Olympic champion, of course, also staged the greatest games ever in 2012, in my opinion. Roger Bannister, 1952, uh, obviously from an Olympic point of view, but also breaking the, 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 the four-minute mile. And obviously, Sir Andy Murray. You know I was going to say Sir Andy Murray. Two Olympic titles and a bronze medal as well in the, in the mixed. And he could silver. go to... Fi- silver. Uh, with Laura Robson. And he could go to five Olympic Games as well in a sport like tennis, like swimming, like athletics, that is worldwide. And I wanted to pick you up. I'm glad you've mentioned Andy Murray because you were a little bit um, rude about Tim Hemman. In our, in our in last our episode. In yes. our last, forgetting he's an Olympic silver medalist. We, we were talking, I, I've written a blog about it on our website, about, you know, the Atlanta 1996 yeah. Games. With Chris Let's Broad, with forget. Neil Broad. Neil Broad yeah. and Tim Henman, Olympic silver medalist. And they did apologize. change. Apologise. No, because I'm not going to apologise. <laughs> they did change. Again, they, they had a chance and he won that medal. And again, it changed the way that we looked at tennis within the Olympics. So you, I agree that Tim Henman was an exceptional player from a British point of view, 
but he wasn't ultimately the best player from our point of view, as in, I do think that obviously Andy Murray's better than him. And also uh, Emma Raducanu's actually better than him because she's won a major. And I have a feeling that Jack Draper, who we'll mention uh, a bit later on as well, might also be slightly better than him. You but I love, look, I loved, I loved like him. Children, you can't say sorry. I loved Tim Henman. I loved Tim Henman when he was playing. And I think he has achieved so much in that, in that sport. And we, I don't think we would have had Andy Murray if we hadn't had Tim Henman either. Um, I agree. Uh, but I, I, you know, he, he, he is an easy target. So I apologize for that. Well, we've, Certainly thrown a few names into the uh, melting pot there. I'm sure the debate will go on and, well, it might be another special edition of the podcast <laughs> at some point. The greatest ever Olympian. If you've got some ideas on that, if you're listening, uh, you can get in touch with us through our website, anythingbutfooty.com, or find us on social media. We are on X, we're on Instagram, and we're also on Facebook. But back to the Great North Run and yeah. more reaction from that race now, John. I mentioned it was soggy. Because what happened, because it was glorious. I, I was at home by that point, to be honest. <laughs> but it, it, it was, was glorious it and it was, was hot, glorious. wasn't it? Yeah, and, and it was very hot. Too hot, I think, for for some of the less experienced runners. Um, and as I was walking back to make my exit after I'd finished my work there with, with Mo Farah, I saw a number of people um, receiving medical attention in that, that wow. final home straight. And, you know, great run organisation. They they did put lots of warnings out and they should be credited for that because the weather forecast was baking hot. And again, if you don't know the Great North Run, there's kind of two options you have at the start. So before you hit the time bridge, you can go over the flyover, but then obviously you're in the heat or you can get funnelled underneath Right. So obviously you're in a bit of shade and I think that certainly might have helped people because people go off very quickly at the Great North Run. It, it happens all the time. People go off as, as quick as they can. It's a, it's a difficult one because there's so many people and they're obviously all trying to get across the bridge. It's never a race I think you enter or go to to try and get a PB um, because there are just too many people and it's difficult to try and get your own rhythm and pattern if you're in the masses there. But people do go off quickly because you've got that adrenaline of the time bridge and you've got the adrenaline of the red arrows and everything else. But yes, the heavens opened um, <laughs> later on. And if you were, you know, the sort of person that was finishing the Great North Run in, in two hours plus, like I was 10 years ago, you probably would have got caught in that bad weather, in that rain. And as a runner... It was probably quite nice at the time, but in terms of that, the, the, the logistics mm. of, of getting people away from the event, and you've got 60,000 in South Shields, which isn't the biggest of places, plus all the support teams, all the staff, all the volunteers, and many of them, obviously, public transport is the advice to use, are funneled into South Shields metro station, which unfortunately couldn't handle the deluge of, of rain and, and flooded and had to be closed. So, yeah, difficult journeys home for lots of people yesterday. Unfortunately for me, uh, I got away a little bit earlier. I do wonder, in all seriousness, whether sporting organisations and um, organisers now need to put in um, uh, a bad weather kind of plan and we saw it with the Manchester Championships, didn't we? When they had the monsoon in, in Manchester, the British Championships. Uh, that was affecting the actual sport, but this is affecting people who were taking part and, and trying to get home. And you do wonder with, with the world changing and, and climate change happening you know, as we see it all the time, then there has to be a backup. There has to be another way 
that that people can can get away from these um, sporting events. It's a it's a it's a tough one for 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 the world, and we'll see it. I'm sure in Paris next year as well. Um, we don't really know what the weather as we as we found out when we were at the UK Sport. Uh, last week in our last episode we don't really know what the weather's going to be in Paris it could be boiling hot or it could be wet and soggy like it was this year and and that is a a huge issue for organizers and competitors this is anything but footy the Olympic and Paralympic podcast Uh, stay with us we're going to round up all the other results from the great north run Uh, that is to come we're going to hear from the British first British female home uh, and also the legend uh, David Weir as well. That is to come. And we'll discuss another great as well, Novak Djokovic and our news from the games. Stay with us. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Anything But Footy, and we're looking back at Mo Farah's last ever race in the Great North Run, and also some brilliant performances from a British point of view elsewhere. Uh, Michael was there covering it for Talk Sport, enjoying ice cream as well, Michael. I just happened to mention. Yeah, uh, uh, 99 with a flake. Five pounds. <laughs> Five pounds. In, in, why we tell in South Shields? The, that's why we tell our children when the ice cream van's playing music, it means they've run out. <laughs> Let's just wrap up some of those other important results. Uh, Congratulations to Charlotte Perdue, finished third in the Great North Run. She was the first British woman home. She was behind Perez Shepshersha and Sharon Lacady as well. And uh, well done to Charlotte Perdue. Terrific result. And after us, I spoke to her. Well, Charlotte, congratulations. First British woman home today in the Great North Run. Describe it for us. Um, it was a weird one. I ran the whole race alone, pretty much. I let the two African uh, women go ahead. Um, and then I just ran my own race, really. I'm training for a marathon. I've got two weeks till Berlin. So I wanted to have a strong run today. I didn't want to put myself in a hole or anything because obviously you've only got two weeks now to recover. So it was actually kind of a blessing in disguise that I didn't have anyone with me because I could just run my own pace. So yeah, I'm happy with the time considering I didn't see anyone. <laughs> Is it not difficult to run on your own for so long? It is, yeah, but I've done a lot of training on my own. My coach is Australian and my group spends half the year in Australia, so I am used to training alone. So I think it is those times when I do have to train alone that help me in races like this. Um, So, yeah, it's good. (laughs) What does this event mean? What does it mean to be the first British woman home? Yeah, this was my sixth Great North run. Um, I always love to include it in my year because it's such a great run at home. Um, Obviously, the big half was last weekend, and I would have loved to run that as well. But like I said, I've got Berlin, so this one just fitted in um, better for my preparation for that. But I do love running at home. So, yeah, this one's a great one for that. Congratulations as well to Daniel Sibri, who won the elite wheelchair race at the Great North Run, breaking his personal best to take the victory. Uh, Behind him, couldn't compete on the day, was the legend David Weir. We'll hear from from him in a moment but the first woman home in the wheelchair race was Paralympic medalist and former world champion Sammy Kinghorn. Well Sammy congratulations describe your great north run for us. Um, it was really good uh, the weather made it nice and um, it was weird as we came down to that last um, mile it was like all misty and it was quite cool which was really nice because it was a hot one um, and yeah not too much of a wind it was yeah it was a perfect day to be honest it was lovely. Well David how do you look back on runners-up position today in the Great North Run. No, it's nice to see uh, a British athlete doing well. Danny's um, 
you know, raced well the, this year on the World Championships, got his first sort of World Championship medal, which, you know, it's probably given him a lot, a lot of confidence. And, um, yeah, it's just nice to see a strong, strong British field now. And, um, yeah, he raced really well. A uh, bit disappointed with my performance today, but, um, yeah, I've been training well, focused well, but just today I just didn't have her in me. It's always been important to you, hasn't it, that there's another generation coming through after you guys that have become heroes? Yeah, after 2012, I was hoping it would be um, a little bit quicker so I could make that decision to retire. But to be honest, I'm really enjoying training and I'm enjoying travelling and doing the and doing the um, the other races that I do, like the six major marathons and stuff. So yeah, as long as I still enjoy it, then I'll carry on. I think I've got a couple of more years in me, um, and then and then we'll see after that. So a terrific day from Newcastle to South Shields as well. I mean, just a really good event. 60,000 people taking part, £25 million raised for charity. And the right place and the right time, as I said in the interview and as I said earlier in the podcast, for Mo Farah uh, to bow out four times the Olympic champion, 10 global gold medals and six times a great North Run winner. Mm. One Mo time. We wish him well uh, in his chosen career. He's got another 20-odd years to work, hasn't he, before he can officially retire? Now, talking of uh, the greatest, and I think we can now safely say that officially the greatest men's tennis player ever is Novak Djokovic. A record, <laughs> a record equaling 24th Grand Slam victory in the US Open final, beating Daniel Medvedev in revenge as well for that defeat two years ago uh, in the final. Djokovic is now the oldest Grand Slam winner ever at 36 years of age. He's won three of the four Grand Slams this calendar year alone and only missed out on Wimbledon in a five-set thriller in the final with Alcaraz. Of course, he's controversial. He's not everyone's cup of tea is how the media like to describe Djokovic but I don't think there's any debate about his exceptionalism and as Medvedev said afterwards why are you still here playing world-class tennis and beating the rest of them it is quite exceptional and a brilliant uh, US Open and Novak Djokovic uh, very much deserves uh, that title and that record equaling slam victory also great to see Coco Goff as the women's winner as well beating Anya Sabalenka in three sets the 19 year old becoming the third teenage American winner of course, behind the likes of Serena Williams. After losing in the first round of Wimbledon, she's unbeaten on the hard court season in the States. And in a superb speech afterwards as well, she proved her, she said she'd proved her doubters and her haters wrong. And there is some amazing social media, if you want to see, of uh, Coco Goff, aged eight, dancing in the stands at the US Open Kids Day. And now she's the US Open champion with surely much more to come. Yeah, I think the Novak Djokovic thing is an interesting one. I totally agree with you. The greatest um, tennis player ever. Not someone, though, that's ever sort of received the, the praise and the love that perhaps he should. I mean, you know you've been to Wimbledon more times than I have, and I've obviously watched it every year on TV. Roger Federer comes out onto centre court. There's a there's a standing ovation for him. That yeah. doesn't quite happen in the same way, does it, for Novak Djokovic? And interestingly, when we were at Wimbledon for Radio News Hub earlier on this year, mm. the, the summer of, of 2023, obviously, we, we sat in on that press conference with Novak Djokovic. I don't know if you remember it. And I... Went into that thinking, I'm not going to like him. You know, I think he's a he's a difficult, odd character. But I thought he spoke really well at that press conference. Yeah, he did. He was warm. He was humorous. 
Um, he was generous in his time, and I kind of changed my opinion mm. of him a little bit. And, you know, with regards Coco Goff, you say, obviously, you know, we hope that there'll be plenty more to come. I'm sure that, um, you know, American tennis fans will be hoping there will be plenty more to come. I would just sort of say to you, Sloane Stevens in 2017, winner yep. of the US Open, we thought, you know, that was going to be the beginning of something. Never quite happened. And, you know, certainly Emma Raducanu, from a, a British point of view, winning that title magnificently in 2021. But she just hasn't got in the groove since, really. But, uh, you know, we hope both of them. Um, and great that we've got, you know, these this generation of, of great young sort of tennis players coming through. We hope both of them achieve everything that their potential suggests that they will based on those victories at the US Open. Should mention as well Alfie Hewitt, Gordon Reid, who created history with the first ever all-British wheelchair singles final in the Grand Slams. World number two Hewitt was victorious, 6-4-6-3, to win his fourth US Open title. And as we discussed in our pod last week, Sir Andy said it should happen. John said it should happen, and it has happened. <laughs> uh, Jack Draper's been selected to join the GB Davis Cup team as the fifth squad member for the group stages at Manchester's AO Arena this week against Australia, France and Switzerland. The 21-year-old has yet to make a Davis Cup debut. Yeah, we wish them well. On to the rest of our news from the games. And fair to say the Brits are back, back bossing the water on the rowing lake and the ones to beat in Paris next summer. Great Britain finished joint top of the medal table. Six golds, nine medals in total, with the Netherlands matching that number, but taking just more silvers than our bronzes. So they finished top and us second. But we're joint top. We're claiming it. Uh, British rowing also qualified 13 boats for the Paris 2024 Olympic and Paralympic games let's go then here is the rowing roll of honor mm. the men's eight jumped into the lake in belgrade <laughs> after winning gold again on the uh, final day they always say that is the flagship boat don't they jacob dawson morgan bolding rory gibb sholto carnegie charlie elwes tom digby james ruckin tom ford and Cox, Harry Brightman. Congratulations. The men's four of Ollie Wilkes, David Ambler, Matt Aldridge and Freddie Davidson, we like to say friends of the pod, uh, retained their title too, pulling away from the rest of the crews in the final 500 metres and winning by more than two seconds. What a history Britain has in the men's four at the Olympics and this crew are looking superb with a year to go. A little bit of insight from our interview we did with Ollie Wilkes and David Ambler, head of the World Rowing Championships. They were told they were doing an interview with anything but footy. And apparently the person or the people that look after them said to them after our interview, how was that? And they said, fine, we just talked about football. <laughs> <laughs> well done to Emily Craig and Imogen Grant as well. Unbeaten since the delayed Tokyo Games, they are now consecutive double world champions in the lightweight women's double skulls. And for the first time in 13 years, the women's quadruple skulls won gold after a huge, almighty tussle with the Netherlands right throughout the two-kilometre race. Lauren Henry, Hannah Scott, Lola Anderson and Georgie Brayshaw, again, friends, friends of the podcast, uh, coming through just before the line. And frankly, I would say that was one of the races of the regatta. It was absolutely incredible and a great result for Britain. Both the PR2 mixed double skulls, that's Lauren Rouse and Greg Stevenson, and the PR3 mixed Cox 4. Can I say friends of the pod? Frankie Allen and Morgan yes. Weiss noise won gold in the Paralympic class boats. The women's four won bronze after leading for much of the race, but they were reined in by Romania and the winners, Netherlands. Netherlands, I'll be watching them 
at the regatta in Paris in less than a year. I think they will go well, as we've already seen from that medals table. Oliwyn Griffith and Tom George won silver in the men's pair and a second consecutive world bronze medal for Benjamin Pritchard in the PR1 men's single skulls. Uh, the women's eight just missed out on a medal in fourth, but they will be going to Paris next year. And director of rowing, Louise Kingsley, friend of the pod, uh, said afterwards, she's been, a me- pod. <laughs> she's been a member, she's been a guest on Great British Bosses, to be fair. Uh, you can go back and have a listen to that. But afterwards, she said it was a fabulous week. The next step is to allow some time to enjoy the medals, then go back and do lots of analysis and get our heads down for the big one next year. And it is the big one, the Olympics, always the biggest competition in rowing, as Michael said earlier, with Sir Steve Redgrave. And if you listen very carefully, you can just hear all of our podcast listeners at British Rowing switch off. (laughs) Stay with us, British Rowing. We've got more rowing later. That's actually a lie, but don't tell them. In other news from the Games, the leaders of the G20 meeting in India have backed the International Olympic Committee and their plans for the Paris 2024 Games. They declared their support for the Olympics and the Paralympics next summer and in a statement said, we also look forward to the Paris Games in 2024 as a symbol of peace Dialogue amongst nations and inclusivity with participation of all. Mm, Exactly. They're pretty clear uh, who they want in the Games next year. And Will Bailey will be going to Paris next year as well as the reigning world and European champion. He won the men's... Friend of the pod, pod, yeah. Uh, He won the men's Class 7 European singles title in Sheffield at the European Para Table Tennis Championships. Uh, Silver medals for Rob Davis, Grace Williams, Jack Hunter-Spivey as the British team won a total of eight singles medals. And there was another four medals in the doubles event in the final weekend of Action 2. I suppose the the longer we go on, Michael, um, we're going to get more friends of the pod, one would hope. (laughs) Yes, we probably will. (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking there, it's a shame really that Will Bailey keeps winning all these titles because I think, um, (laughs) never mind friend of the pod, could be presenter of the pod when when he finally packs in the old table tennis. I mean, I know he's pretty good at it and he's probably going to win more Paralympic medals in, you know, games to come. But if, if when the time is right, he wants to start presenting something like this, it will the offer is there. Absolutely. And now, the remuneration isn't. <laughs> For much more this autumn and the rest of the year, check out our sporting calendar. Also, our latest blogs on the website. A brilliant blog from Michael on the Atlanta Games and what a forerunner that was for London 2012. It's at anythingbutfooty.com. As ever, you can always get in touch with us at any time. We're on X at anythingbutf or anythingbutfooty on Insta, Facebook and Threads. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.